This is Health Dose, a podcast that features conversations about your health and well-being. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. How does climate change affect your health? Ferdinand Oswagu, MD, is a psychiatrist who specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry at My Michigan Psychiatry in Midland. Dr. Oswagu is an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Central Michigan University. Dr. Oswagu also holds a leadership position as the chair of the American Psychiatric Association Caucus on Climate Change and Mental Health. Health Dose asked Dr. Oswagu, are patients reporting anxiety and depression due to climate change and the changes in weather patterns? Yes, they are, actually. We recently have this national survey by the American Psychiatric Association where they were able to showcase the fact that 48% of Americans, that's almost nearly half of the whole population, believe that climate change is affecting their mental health. And recently, I think two or three days ago, there is a new data that was released by the American Psychiatric Association suggesting that the unpredictability of the weather in recent years, coupled with the increased frequencies in extreme weather events and fluctuating temperatures, had led to increased stress and anxiety among most of the folks here in the United States of America. And one of the new terms which has been thrown out there is a term known as eco-anxiety. What this just means is that there are people who are experiencing significant, severe apprehension about the looming effect of climate change, which is caused ironically by human activities and also people who have concerns about the declining health of our planet are reporting more and more anxiety symptoms in recent times. This may be anecdotal. There's long been this idea that a full moon affects behavior, or we do know for sure that sunlight affects mood. Are we talking about physiological changes due to the weather or fear of weather events themselves? So it's actually a little bit of both. There is the fear of the fact that the weather is actually getting more and more hotter and warmer. And then there is also the other side, which has also seen people having a lot of anxiety due to the fact that when we have severe weather events, they are becoming more rampant. And the extent to which this event affects lives and disrupts lives is actually happening at a scale which we were not used to seeing before. A case in example is the recent power outage that happened in Texas due to extreme weather events. Who would have ever thought that in 20th century, will have such a severe weather event that will knock out the power grid and suddenly everybody's life was no longer what it used to be before. And people were busy melting ice. People were busy leaving their homes to look for places and shelter where they would get some warmth. There were people who lost their lives. These were things that before we don't see such extreme effects of weather changes, but it's here to stay. We are beginning to see it. And it just means that we need to all join hands to ensure that we raise awareness about this and also advocate that we need to keep our planet healthy and stop doing things that will keep worsening the health of the planet as well. How does climate change affect a person's day-to-day coping skills? So extreme heat has been shown to be associated with increased mood issues. For example, patients who are on psychotropics, patients who are on anticholinergics, 
When body temperature goes up, lithium level rises. When you are dehydrated due to increase in body temperature, if you're on an anticholinergic, you could have also alterations in your body's core temperature due to this increased weather event. We also do know that domestic violence, suicide rates also have been shown to be closely aligned to extreme weather events, especially when temperatures go up. What coping skills do you offer patients who survive an extreme weather event like a tornado or the floods that we experienced a couple of years ago in Midland? The key thing is to be vulnerable to oneself in accepting the fact that, hey, this has happened. It's not something that is due to my own making, but it's something that I have to live with as a human being who is on this uh, planet Earth that we have. We always encourage surrounding yourself by supporting people who will be attuned to the concerns that you're having and the stress that you're going through. We also encourage being mindful in the moment and also using skills such as acceptance of the fact that, look, this has happened. There's nothing I can do about what has happened, but I can definitely make changes going forward by being in the moment, by being strategic and ensuring that I engage in activities that help to distract me, that engage in activities that I find pleasurable that will help me feel good about myself and also help with my mood. And it's always that balance of keeping in mind that you can only have an effect on those things that you can have an effect on. And sometimes you're powerless. Correct. And learning to accept that is really a difficult task, but that's at the core of what we're talking about. Absolutely. What advice do you give to first responders and caregivers who may be treating our community members after a a large disaster? For the caregivers, because a lot of times they are the cohort of folks who go towards these areas of extreme weather events, and they could actually see pretty graphic images of things that ordinary person is not used to seeing, except maybe they have this extreme weather event occur to them personally. For first responders, you know, they could see people lose their lives. I mean, we've had incidences whereby elderly citizens die from dehydration and things like that. The key thing for them to do is to ensure that at the end of the day, they also have to work on themselves to look inwards to understand that they need to be healthy mentally to be able to function, to be able to help somebody else. It may sound cliche. If you're in the aircraft and the air level drops, they always say, take the oxygen mask, put it on your face first and make sure you don't die before you start reaching out for your child or somebody beside you to try to save that person. So for the first responders, you know, the key thing is to also employ all these other tools that we've talked about, ensuring self-care, your mental health, debrief, talk to somebody about how you feel, and it's okay to be vulnerable. You don't need to bottle all this inside without working on it. And also taking deliberate efforts to do things that would help your mental health by being in the moment, distracting yourself and doing things that bring pleasure and joy for you. And if that does not work, it's okay to seek help, you know, see a therapist, see a psychiatrist, somebody who can help you walk through how to build coping skills and process this trauma, which you could have been exposed to. Is there agreement or consensus in the psychiatric community that global warming has an impact on mental health? There is agreement in terms of the data that we have. 
However, we also have to respectfully and painfully acknowledge the fact that there are still climate skeptics. There are still people who do not feel like climate change is affecting our mental health. And for those of us who are in this field, one of the things we always say is we appreciate your dissenting views and opinions. However, we do understand that when people use the words climate change, that seems to be somewhat a language where people dig into pre-held prejudices about that topic. But there is something which unites each and every one of us. And that is, we need to preserve our planet. Preserving our planet is something that is a win-win for all. Mm-hmm. And how do you preserve planet? You prevent this extreme weather event or climate change to happen. So there are some people who don't believe in it. However, the data that we have supports that this is happening and we are having more and more people on board. And like I said, the American Psychiatric Association poll shows 48% of Americans believe that this stuff is happening and it's affecting them. If someone is struggling, when do they know that they should seek treatment? So that's a very good question. Now, when you start noticing that your mind is constantly perseverating about this issue, that you're unable to have that sense of wholeness or that sense of peace, that you're constantly ruminating about this incident or about extreme weather events or about climate change event, it just might mean it is time to start to seek help so as to help with the effect that you are experiencing from thinking about mental issues due to your fear of climate change. So it's a matter of whether or not it affects your daily life. Correct. And someone who has anxiety about climate change likely has anxiety about more than just climate change. That is possible. Yes, we do see a lot of comorbidity where somebody who has eco-anxiety also has a baseline of anxiety on itself and wasn't the baseline anxiety that patients do have. Something which just came out recently is that the American Medical Association which is the umbrella body that governs all the medical groups here in the United States of America, recently adopted a resolution where they are stating that climate change should be a public health emergency and it should be designated as such. And that is huge because for a long time, that was not on their purview. And for them to start actually putting that in paper that it's a public health emergency, it means we need to all work towards putting this on the radar of everybody. That is psychiatrist Ferdinand Oswagu, MD, who specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry at My Michigan Psychiatry in Midland. As always, if you have health concerns, the place to start is with your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to mymichigan.org doctors. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon for another edition of Health Dose.